0: Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically. This is the podcast where I watch Hitchcock films chronologically. Go figure. My name's Jeff, and I just watched Stage Fright from 1950, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring uh, Marlene Dietrich, Jane Weinman, uh, Richard Todd, and Michael Wilding. Now, Michael Wilding was in our last movie. He played Mr. Adair in uh, Under Capricorn. Now, I got I did just full transparency. I started recording this episode and this is the second attempt, not because I lost the audio, but because I don't know that I was doing the movie Justice. And the reason I say that is because I'm not sure what I think about the movie. And I can't put my finger on what I'm not liking because the acting is really good. The story is interesting. It makes sense. It has a heck of a finale. The one thing I can really point on to says that to say that I didn't like is if you split this movie into the quarters, the third quarter of the movie is kind of dull, it, and it slows way down, maybe way more than it should, you know, even at the halfway point. Well, I guess that would be the third quarter, so maybe I know what I'm talking about in the end. I also want to say that I'm treating this movie almost like the end of another era. And I've done that before. We had the end of the silent era, and then I talked about the end of the, sort of the early talkies, where we started to get into slightly more well-known Hitchcock films like The 39 Steps and... Uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much, the first one. And now this movie sort of puts an end to this second slate of lesser known Hitchcock movies. Because after this, we start getting into The Strangers on the Trains, The Dial-Limbs, The Troubles with Harry. Uh, And the quality, or at least the notoriety of the movies, is going to start picking up. I know nothing about stage, right? Or at least didn't. And there's one more. There's actually a couple movies on the list I know very little about. But uh, there's also the density of well-known Hitchcock films is about to pick up. So let's get this one done. Our movie starts off with Jane Wyman, who is Eve Gill, driving Jonathan Cooper, who is played by Richard Todd, away from something the police she's getting away with this dude and she says i need to know what happened once they get clear if you're up for telling me so jonathan cooper tells her why he's on the run and it's because of another woman named charlotte inwood charlotte inwood is an actress and he says that she came over to his house one night blood on the front of her dress And saying she accidentally killed her husband, that she was in, said it was in self-defense, but she feels she's in trouble now. And she asks for his help. Well, he agrees to help her cover things up and he tells her that you need to act normally. Go. uh, And she says, well, I'll go ahead back to my play. And uh, he's, but she has this bloody dress on. So he has to go get her a replacement. And uh, so he does go back to her house where the murder scene was, where her husband is dead near the fireplace. And while he's there, he kind of roughs things up and makes it look like it was a robbery. He gets the dress, but as he's grabbing everything, he is seen by the maid uh, who is uh, Millie, I think. Hold on. Excuse me, Nellie. Now, Nellie is played by Kay Walsh Walsh, and she does a pretty good job. That's the thing. Like all of the acting and the casting in the movie is pretty strong. And, uh, so as he's on the run, he, he calls childhood friend, Eve Gill. And that's kind of catches us up to where the movie opened. And so basically Eve is helping her lifelong friend, Jonathan, uh, Or maybe I don't know about lifelong friend, but it is stated that they've known each other a long time, helping him get away from the police because like a dumb, dumb, right? Okay, if I don't care who it is, if someone tells me to go back to the scene of a murder and the body is still there, I'm not going to do it. And Jonathan, like a dumbass, does. At least that's what I think. I think he's dumb. So he goes, anyway. So he's clearly now the number one suspect. And Eve decides that. uh, So, anyway, so they're on the. As they're getting away, they go to her dad's house. So her parents are divorced. And uh, her dad is played by Alistair Sim. Now, this dude looked familiar to me and I wanted to figure out why. He, uh, in an earlier film, plays. Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol and it's a a version of the film that I saw uh, before and actually it's not earlier that version of A Christmas Carol gets released next year in 1951 although when I saw that movie it looked a lot older than this one did way more grainy but it's probably just not been upscaled Uh, but Alistair Sim is great in this movie he constantly has one-liners really good stuff um you know he's just cool calm and collected for the most part but he also might be some of my least favorite parts of the movie like and it's not his performance i think it's the screenplay that lets him down but anyway uh so he basically knows that eve is going to go confront charlotte and he knows that Charlotte's a dangerous person because she murdered her husband. And so Eve goes to confront her to try to get the truth, but she can't really just go right up to her because there's reporters everywhere. And she's, you know, there's police flooding the property because her husband's been killed. And everyone is saying that it was Jonathan Cooper. She, uh, Eve even goes to a bar nearby. Uh, she really wants to try to get a, uh, to talk to the police to get some sort of information out of her. And in that uh, bar is someone who looks like a police officer or a detective. He ends up being a detective. And that is Michael Wildling's character. Again, he played Mr. A or last week. And he's a detective. So she feigns like she's not feeling well to get his attention. And he comes over and they start talking and they hit it off and they have great chemistry on screen. Now I should establish too that Eve says she has some feelings for Jonathan. Uh, like I, I, I don't see it's one of those times where Hitch, like Hitchcock, can do romance because there's chemistry between Eve and Michael Wildling's character, whose name I'm purposefully hiding. So I, anyway, he she tries to conserve information out of uh, Michael Wildling, and. He doesn't really have much to offer information wise. So he decides to walk her back to her house or drive her home actually. And as she uh, asks, he actually knows all her information. She goes, well, I haven't even told you my name or you don't know me or something like that. And he just spouts off all the knowledge about her. He knows everything. And it turns out that he is a detective as I spoiled and uh, by the name of Smith And she says, Ordinary Smith? Or is there more to it than that? So he's billed on IMDb as Ordinary Smith, which is an awesome name. His real name is Walter O. Smith, which the O, we don't know what it stands for, but I'm guessing it's Ordinary. Ordinary Smith. Well, they set up a date to do tea with her mom. One thing that happens, I kind of jumped along too far. But when Jonathan and eve get to her dad's house they he has the dress the bloody dress that he talked about um in his story to eve and it's got the blood on it and they're like look you you know you have this dress that appears to be according to her dad doctored up right there's like smudges and it's not actually A like it was purposefully bloodied and they believe that Charlotte did that to frame Jonathan. And so it's this evidence that they believe can help Jonathan clear his name and show that Charlotte had done the murder. Because Eve believes that Charlotte is purposefully killed her husband is now using Jonathan as a scapegoat. Okay, we're caught up on that. But he burns it anyway. Like, so Jonathan throws it in the fire. And now they're like, well, we have no evidence now. We have no bloody dress. I kind of want to take a nap right now. I feel exhausted. (laughs) So Eve, trying to clear Jonathan's name, comes up with this idea that she's going to go to Nellie, who is Charlotte's right handmaid. She's always around Charlotte. And so what she does is pays Nellie to pretend to be sick and pretend that Eve is her cousin so that Eve going under the name of Doris can be Charlotte's servant. Uh, So they pull this off. No problem. Now, what's fun is as she introduces herself to charlotte initially every time she refers to doris every time charlotte talks to doris she says a different name phyllis and mavis and it's different every time and it's awesome so probably the best part of this movie is the performance of marlene dietrich as charlotte inwood who is this uppity rich actress and she plays the part and she's got these thin eyebrows and she's always cloaked in things. And in this scene, you can tell that she is not mourning her husband. She's dressed in black, but then she even goes so far as to say, maybe we can make the neckline plunge a little bit. We can make it fun. Uh, She clearly does not miss her husband. Now, while Eve is there, the police show up. And one of them is Ordinary Smith, and so she has to hide because Ordinary Smith knows that she's not really Doris. And uh, so the cops come up, they talk to her, and uh, they get escorted out. It's really kind of one of these scenes that goes on and on, and it really doesn't need to be here. It doesn't establish much at all, other than that she's got this guy Charlotte does that works for her that's kind to of help cover things up, and this guy even knows that Jonathan is on the run and they want to know where he is and nobody can find him. And they suspect that he's hiding. But anyway, this dude, like her manager or something says, you need to go ahead and go act and do your play. So they do that. And who should show up? But Jonathan, because apparently pops comes by again and, uh, Jonathan has escaped his home, his boat, where they he lives. Now, there's more scenes to this that have to do with Doris, not Doris, <sighs> with Eve falling in love with Ordinary Smith. Now, Ordinary Smith is better, more charismatic actor performing him. Not to say that the guy playing Jonathan's bad. It's just that his name's Ordinary Smith and that's amazing. And Wildling is or Wilding is a really memorable actor. His face is very familiar looking. Like you see him once, he's not the kind of face you forget. And so there's just something likable about him. Well, they so that's kind of where the movie really lulls for me is the romance, even though it's not particularly poorly done, it just kind of feels like it's it goes on and on. Well so they're going to go to this fair and what she, her plan is now eve is to get detective ordinary smith to believe now he's a private detective i believe i don't he might be police they don't actually say i could be wrong he might be police uh, but to get him to believe or start to question jonathan's guilt and make him think that maybe he's innocent and that charlotte is the one to blame and they go to this circus i don't know what else to call it but charlotte's in a tent she's doing an appearance and at this thing who should show up but nelly she starts blackmailing people again she's basically blackmails eve into paying her more money to remain sick faking sick even where she has to call her dad to the fair to bring money. Now her dad gets this great idea to take a doll and put blood on it, on the dress and have some kid walk up to Charlotte with it as a way to kind of spark some memory. Now here's another part of the problem is that there's a scene of him acquiring this doll that just goes on and on. So it's out of, at a circus. Okay. And to acquire the doll, he has to shoot the ducks. You've seen the ducks, right? And there's this person operating it who's annoying, and which is pretty accurate for these carnival game runners. She goes on and on. And there's a whole thing of him missing, and he's not very good with the gun to acquire the doll. He initially tries to purchase it outright, but he doesn't have enough money. So then he starts to shoot, but he's not any good. So he tries to pretend to take the accurate shots of people next to him. And the first guy is not having it. And then the second guy comes up, who's a lot smaller. And after her dad pretends to take the shot and make it, he threatens the guy into standing down. Now he gets the doll, but then the lady keeps going on and on. And I know what this is trying to do. It's trying to build that suspense that Hitchcock is known for. Oh, what if, you know, he's got a hurry and this lady's taking forever and, and it just doesn't work. And this is about the time where I'm really losing it a bit, where the story in the first half of the movie is good. And then now it just slows way down. And there's these lengthy scenes that Don't do much, even though that they get this doll and they have a boy to the stage and it freaks out Charlotte and she goes in the back. This scene doesn't do that much to put the plot forward. But what it does do is it establishes for uh, Ordinary Smith that Eve is also playing this maid called Doris, who the police are interested in talking with because she's the maid. Right. If she has some information, they want to get it. But he now knows that Doris is a fictional character made up by Eve who takes, uh, who serves Charlotte. Oh boy. So there's a lot going on. Now they go back to Eve's mom's house. And Jonathan is there. Okay. And also there in another room is Ordinary Smith. And uh, they talk, even him, about the fact that she believes Jonathan is innocent. Let's set him free. And so he starts to question her: like, are you acting when you were with me to just to get to know me? You know, rightfully so. Believes that the love portion of their interactions have been just to get close to him. And he's right in believing that, even though that she does truly like him. The time that they're together, she almost always talks about Charlotte and Jonathan. He never, she never talks to him and he's into her anyway. And as an actor, he pulls this off. He looks like he's into her, even though she's just going on and on about something. He doesn't work. Basically, he even tells her at the beginning of a conversation That he doesn't want to talk about it with her because he's trying to get to know her. He's trying to be a gentleman and and she just wants to talk about murder. Now. So they come up with an idea, I guess. I don't know. But. What they're going to do is try to get Eve to talk to what's his face what's-her-face Charlotte and record it they have a microphone in this theater they hide it in her dressing room and basically Eve is going to confront her about this bloody dress and try to get a confession out of her on the microphone lo and behold Jonathan shows up and now there's another scene I forgot where Jonathan shows up and I told you he was at one of the plays and she helps him get away Eve and that scene didn't need to be there I don't I mean I guess like for pacing this movie's 2 hours long just under 2 hours long and I feel like after the last couple really great movies this feels like a last gasp of the the old Hitchcock just fill in time and I can say like under capricorn while it's slow the scenes had meaning and push the story forward and I never felt like it was a lull because the characters were so well defined and I thought like this could be the next notorious and it's not but the movie does end well and uh one of the things that I talked about on a previous episode for uh, spellbound is that it has this finish where the guy basically kills himself to not be caught for murder and I said that movie should have just ended right there but they added another scene to let you know that the other characters were happy and married and moving on with life this movie does a much better job and it doesn't have that extra scene to let you know everything's okay so they're trying to pull off this interview over the microphone with Charlotte and Eve and Eve or excuse me Charlotte just isn't confessing to anything. But then eventually she breaks down and says that she didn't murder her husband, that Jonathan did it. And, um, she was essentially an accessory to murder because she wanted it to happen and she facilitated it happening, but that she didn't actually do the murder. Jonathan did. Eve doesn't buy this but it's enough for the police hearing it to make an arrest because at the very least she's an accessory to murder. And they still believe that Jonathan is the murderer. So after this, Eve finds Jonathan and wants to try to help him escape from the police again. So now keep in mind, she's aiding and abetting a fugitive. So she should probably be arrested too. Eve. They go and hide in, it's not a car from Titanic, but that's what the scene reminds me of. They're like in a warehouse somewhere in this like thing, hiding in it. So Jonathan and her are there hiding. And uh, Eve's dad is talking to uh, regular old Smith. And he says, well, we know that she's an accessory that... Jonathan couldn't have been the murderer and ordinary Jones says, actually, um, he's done it before and he got away with it because of a self-defense plea. And they cut to Eve and Jonathan in this car talking. And he confesses to her that actually what Charlotte says is true. He did the killing And the whole story, the opening scene of this movie is a lie that he told her to get her to help him. Now, the first time I recorded this episode or started recording it, I was like, I don't know that this twist is well done or pulled off. And I had to rewatch the opening scene because the scene establishes so firmly that Charlotte murdered And Jonathan was helping cover up. And I had to rewatch it because I'm like, I can't, I didn't see that wrong. Right. I'm not misremembering that she basically admitted to it and he helped clean it up and I wasn't. But what I didn't pick up or didn't recall was that that scene of her coming over and, and with the bloody dress is actually us seeing his story as it's being told to Eve, that's his version of events, his version of a, his lie to get Eve's assistance. And so now I can say, okay, that makes sense. But I didn't pick that up. I didn't recall it. And maybe it's because it's a, a film technique that essentially to me felt like I was being lied to. And so when this twist happens, at first I'm like, "Oh, cool. Great twist and it's shot well and it's extremely well acted." Afterwards, I'm like, "But wait a minute. She said she what? It, but the opening scene." And I had to go back and watch. So is that on me or is that on the movie? You could decide. But watch the movie first before you say anything. Uh, So in this confession, Eve is still trying to watch out for Jonathan. And she even suggests that he go for an insanity plea. And Jonathan isn't convinced that it would work. They can't do anything to a sick man. And that's what you are. You must be. No, they're going to hang me. They'll hang Charlotte, too, for planning it. They've never forgiven me for getting away with it the first time. There's nothing wrong with my mind. Nobody can prove that there is unless... Unless I do it a third time. With no reason whatever. That would be a clear case of insanity. Wouldn't it? Hmm? Wouldn't it? Pretty sure, though, that that wouldn't work. But anyway, she stops him from getting herself murdered and they head out of the theater and he she kind of says well i know how to get out i'm gonna get you through the orchestra pit and he he, she dumps him out there goes he's over here and locks the door behind him and so a chase goes on and he's running through the halls and he ends up going around the onto the stage and as he's running on the stage he slips. And he kind of slides down to like the front of the stage where there's like this lip that kind of he hits and it keeps him from sliding off the stage. And in order to keep him from leaving the stage while that's happening, some guy hits a button to close this like giant, think of like a garage door. It basically just drops and uh, it kills the guy. (laughs) Now they don't show what happens to him, but he's dead. And the last thing you see is... Eve uh, looking at that and then Officer something, what's his name? uh, (laughs) Simply Smith takes her uh, and they walk away. Now that's an ending to a movie, right? I mean, that's better. There's no, everything's going to be okay. But I've seen better before this one and the ending's great the acting's good the characters are good for the most part uh i think her dad while well acted is actually kind of more annoying um it's fine i you know i've seen anyway hey here's the good news though i'm done okay so you can tell by my tone i you, you can hear me okay this movie's fine now Now we get to watch Strangers on a Train. But before we move on, I have to mention Pat Hitchcock, Patricia Hitchcock, who is the daughter of Alfred Hitchcock. She's in this movie, and she plays a character called Chubby Bannister. Hilarious. Now, Patricia Hitchcock is also in Psycho, and she plays this gossipy, talkative character. And in this, Chubby Bannister is a gossipy, talkative character. It's like the same thing. But I love Pat Hitchcock in this role. Like she may be a character actress, but she does that character so well. And she steals the scene when she's in it. She's so charismatic. She's awesome. And uh, she's in here briefly. She's in psycho briefly. And apparently she's in strangers on a train. And I have to say. That when I started this podcast, I think this is one of the movies I'm most looking forward to. Obviously, there's the ones I've seen, but I think this movie is the one that I've been the most interested in actually seeing and watching. It's his most popular work that I haven't seen. And it's the one that I've been meaning to see for the longest time. Strangers on a Train came out one year later 1951. It's an hour and 41 minutes. I cannot wait to watch it. I'm so excited. So despite this movie sort of killing a little enthusiasm for me, I'm really looking forward to strangers on a train. And if you don't know the premise, two strangers meet on a train and they agree to kill each other's nemesis. Now, I don't know the full details, but it's basically, you know, the movie horrible bosses, those they're not strangers in that movie, but they kill each other's bosses or attempt to, that's kind of the, plot here but taken a whole lot more seriously so you can join me next week as i watch that and i would encourage you to watch this one i don't know if it's good or not it's certainly well known uh but you can reach out to me hitchcock chronologically at gmail.com if you wanted to email me like a weirdo uh my twitter account is podcast by jeff on twitter you can hit me up there you can look at the uh notes in the description uh and there's a discord link there for budget arcade discord where you can find me, you can listen to the budget arcade podcast. You can also listen to my other movie podcast called the movie draft house that I make with my friend, Mark. It's pretty fun. If you haven't listened yet, start at the uncut Gems episode. I think it's one of our stronger ones. Um, And if you like it, just keep up with us. We have fun. Um, But that's it for me today. And we start the new era next week on Hitchcock chronologically.